Well, good morning. Greetings to the fathers here. I bring you greetings from the brothers and sisters in the Church of Jesus Christ in Santa Barbara, California, way, way up north, in the cold north. Uh, it's down about 90 degrees when I, when I left there yesterday. This is an exciting time. I, I have some credentials at last to uh, speak on Father's Day. I'm a dad of 24 years' experience now. And I think the best place for me to start uh, is when I was a younger man. I know this is a couple of younger men around here who may not be married even yet and may be just wondering what's going on with all this father business. And I remember my dad said to me one time, he passed away in 2010, he said, but when I was a young man, he said, you know, Gordon, if you never become a father, you're going to miss out on one of life's greatest adventures. And I can testify now at 72 years old, he was absolutely right. But I, I, my son kind of qualified that, that adventure a little bit when he was about five or six years old. I remember we went hiking back up in the San Inez Mountains and we used to uh, see if we can find, not the rabbit trails, uh, no, those are too easy. We do no trails. And we would end, I remember one time we ended up against a big pack of boulders going up this way. And I looked at him down and he looked up at me, Daddy, think, what do you, what do you, shall, shall we try it? Let's go. So we started going. I mean, we scratching and slipping, and oh man, it was. It got pretty scary after a point. I was right there beside him. Don't worry, moms. So I, I was there. <laughs> and uh, but we finally got to the top, and I started to whack the boulder dust off me. And I said, "Wow!" I said, "That that was, that was really an adventure, wasn't it, son?" And but I quickly added, "I said, but it was scary." And that little boy looked up at me. He didn't even miss a beat. He said, "Daddy, it's not an adventure unless it's scary." And that, brothers, is where we begin, the adventure of fathering. And let me tell you something, brothers, it's more than just a little scary. You're going to be faced with situations you have never faced before. That I don't care whether you've been to college or where you, wherever you've been, and you're, you're just not going to, uh, to know what to do, quite frankly. No matter how educated you are, how skilled you are, how knowledgeable you are, uh, it's not going to be that way. I remember when my son was... Uh, we'd just taken him out. Maybe it was the first or second time. He couldn't be more than about a month or two. And uh, Mary, uh, who had gone through, an ex in her terms, excruciating childbirth, and it was tough. I was there. But, of course, that doesn't mean I know how tough it was. Ladies, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say that. But I was sitting there, and she, I was holding the boy kind of uncomfortably because I had I, never done this before. And, and Mary was standing there, and, and, and another older man came up, uh, and, and he said, oh, you're your new parents. And he says, oh, the, what a wonderful experience to become parents. What a, what, a, what a wonderful time now. And Mary, you know, who's just a week or two out of this very traumatic experience, and I was all about ready to speak and say, yes, it's a wonderful time. And she looked at me with that nice smile over and says, Gordon, yours was the easy part. <laughs> now... Anyhow, uh, you can read between the lines on that one. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how fathers and mothers get together, and yet there is a very different experience going on there. I appreciate Nate's kind of encouragement. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know he was going to do that, what he just said about the father Bob, but I was going to talk about that too, actually. Because, um, because I remember when, when we were about... Five or six months pregnant, and it was quite obvious in Mary, not just in her physical appearance, but her hormones are changing and her diet's changing. And, uh, you know, she's, she's getting ready for the biggest event of her lifetime. And I'm just kind of 
frankly, just watching. I'm a spectator. I, I'm trying my best to help out, you know, bring the mint chip chocolate ice cream on time, you know, and <laughs> things like that. But I mean, and one day she said to me, those four magical words that every husband loves to hear, we need to talk. Uh, well, what? Honey, look, you know, I love you, and, and, and you're, you're, you're a wonderful husband, but I, I, I don't sense you're really on board yet <laughs> with, with, with fathering. And I've been very helpful to her, you know, but I, and I, I had to, before I was, could defend myself, the Lord just said, you know, well, hold on, kid, listen to what she's saying. I said, well, you know, you're right. I, I, it's true, honey. I, I, I'm watching all these amazing things going on with you, and you're calling your girlfriends, and they're all getting together and sharing war stories when they had babies and all this. And I, I get together with the guys. We, we don't have any war stories about this because I'm over here and you're over there, and, and lots more is going on in your body than in mine. And I began to realize at that point that I, 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 I needed to get on board. And, and so I went into my prayer closet and cried out to Father God, you know, let me engage here, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker, engage, 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 get on board, get with the program. And um, the Lord began to open my heart. He began to open my heart in a very surprising, startling kind of way, actually. I remember when my son, oh, he must have been about four or five months old, and my, I began to notice that Mary, my beautiful, lovely, vivacious, wonderful wife, was beginning to slow down. It's kind of dragging around the house. That pep and zip was gone from her. And, and, and I began to realize in the mornings when we'd get up out of bed, she, she, she was not happy to jump up. And she, and she said, Gordon, I've been doing a lot of feeding during the night and stuff. Well, okay, well, I'll be, you know. And one day it occurred to me that Really, to be not only a good husband, but let's get on board with the father program. I said, maybe we, we should get Mary some help. I mean, this is a tough job, obviously. I can say, so she needs to, we need to get somebody who can come help us out. Somebody who lives nearby. Somebody who would really care about our son. And somebody who could really help out. And, and suddenly, I got this marvelous insight. Guess what, kid? You're on. It's time for you, Dad, to get in on the action, not just on the watching and the comforting, in the action. Whoa. Well, well and I realized, you know, maybe I could do the bottle thing, you know, at night. And I, 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 so I said, all right, I'm on with it, Father. Let's go. And I, I prepared the bottle. I kind of was in secret. And Mary went to bed that night. I remember, she, and I knew I, if I was going to speak to her, better be quick because she's going to zonk it. With, I mean, it's on time. And she was all but good night. I said, wait, 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 honey, I got a surprise for you. Su surprise? Yeah, honey, guess what? I'm going to do the night feeding. Singular. I only thought feeding. Oh, once you get up once or twice. Okay. She says, and that got her attention like a mama bear. You're going to do what? I said, uh, I'm, d d don't worry now, honey. I got this. I'm the dad here. You, you want me to get engaged? I'm going to take care of the nighttime feeding. I got the bottle right here. No problem. I'll take care of it. And she was all but ready to argue with me. You don't know what you do. But she was so tired. She said, fine. God bless you. Good night. <laughs> and I said, oh, one last thing, honey. You know, I'm a very heavy sleeper. I know. I'm going to need a little help here. So, you know, maybe a little honey, you know, in my ear, you know, just honey, it's time to go feed the baby. Okay. Fine. Soon she was out.
Oh, one more thing, she says, be sure you do it right. Right? There's a wrong way to feed a baby? He just opens his mouth and you stick it in. Wait, wait, wait. I thought, and I, she was just, you know, she was overreacting, of course. And, and so I, I said, don't worry, honey, I got it. So I figured, okay, I said, we'll cruise, you know. I'll just wake up at the 7 in the morning and give him good feeding, you know. I mean, it wasn't bingo before I felt this. Not a sweetie in my ear, but an elbow in my side. And I woke up, what's wrong, honey? And I could hear this voice crying. And it was not, it was like, mommy, mom. I said, he, he's calling. Oh, wait a minute. Don't worry, honey, I got this. I, 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 I had it now, and I got the bottle, and I, I kind of stumbled across the hall, and there he was, and he opened his mouth, and he, he looked over at me, and, or up at me, and I looked over at him, and he looked at me and said, wait a minute, this was not what I ordered. This is, this is, not, this is not mommy here. But when he opened his mouth to protest, I stuck the bottle in, and, and, and that's the way it kind of started. And I, I have to tell you honestly, and I, I, when I finished that first time, it was, it was tough, but he finally went to sleep, and I, I have to be honest with you and say, when I fell back into the bed, that I thought, thank you, Father. That was tough, but you know, I'm glad it's, that's it for the night, and we're going to have a good sleep. He's crying again. I mean, I don't know. How many times did I get up just to say, too many? And uh, by the next morning, I understood something that Mary had been going through. And I was getting engaged with the process. It was not that much fun. Frankly, calling out for mommy was not exactly my script. You know, I mean, son, I had something to do with this, even though it was the easy part, granted. Uh, you know, I, I'm still the dad here. But after a while, it began to change. Funny thing, when you do something that God wants you to do after a while, you begin to get into it. And I began to hold him, and, 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 and I could feel his heart against my, my shoulder, and someone was getting engaged here at last. There was a physical connection and a heart, sort of, my heart, I could feel his heart thumping on mine, literally. And it was good, but the one thing remained that bugged me was that cry for mommy. Now, I, I understand moms, you know, I understand it, but, you know, uh, I mean, I, you know, I did have something to do with this. So, but I said, okay, Father, I'm in on it. Let's go. But I'll never forget that one night. What was the song we just sang about in the still night, this whisper in the still night, something like that? Bingo. I'm laying there in bed. And all of a sudden, I heard this little whisper from across the hall. Daddy. And I woke up. It was enough to wake me up. And I, not Mary sound asleep, so I just pulled the covers high. Daddy! Wow! And I just, like a rocket, I jumped out of the bed, shot across the hall, picked that boy up, threw him up here. Hallelujah! That's my man! Hallelujah! <laughs> and, and the poor little kid is looking what's that. And I heard my, Mary across the hall, honey, is everything okay? Is he all right? And as I lowered my son to my chest, I called out to Mary, yes, honey. Yeah, everything's okay. In fact, it's very, very good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And let me tell you something. That night, I did not hustle to get him back in the crib again. No, 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 no. We took a hike that night. <laughs> we went out on a patio, around through the living room, the kitchen. I talked to him about raccoons and moons and spaceships and dogs and cats. We had a wonderful time together that night. 
Because that was the first night in my life I felt like a father. When my son called out daddy to me. And something happened to me. Mind you, I, I was in bed, I was asleep, he was across the hall. And when I heard a cry for daddy, it wasn't like I thought, oh, okay, rational, let's put this to the computer, see where it, okay. That voice is coming across. So that's where my son sleeps. That is my son. He's calling daddy. I am his father. Therefore, I will arise and I will walk over and give him what he needs because I'm his daddy. And not a chance. Boom. I was out of that bed like a rocket ship and across the hall. And it was like instantaneous in my spirit. Let me read you from the book of Romans. It's amazing. You know, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Cuts all the way through to a soul and spirit meet where joints and marrow come together. And in Romans 8, 14 to 16, this is where the Word of God really comes alive for me in this, this particular context. For the spirit God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. That's religion. Do this, do that. If you don't, you get punished. No, that's not the spirit of the living God. That's the spirit of religion, and it's, it's, it's from the, the father of lies. The spirit God has given you, on the other hand, does not make you a slave and cause you to be afraid. I'm going to do the wrong thing. No, 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 no. no. Instead, the Spirit of God makes you God's children. And by the Spirit's power, we cry out, Abba, Daddy! Daddy! It is the Spirit of the living God revealed in Jesus, set free amongst all humanity on the cross and the resurrection, that resides in you and me as Christians, that enables us to recognize God as our Father. And in the darkest of the nights... When the needs are crying out, and we got no place else to go, someone once said, if you haven't, if you, you don't know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And when you get to that point in your life, in the dark, you want to cry out. You don't want to help me, creator, sustainer of life, and all these politically correct names. I don't want a sustainer. I don't, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, but I don't want that. I don't want the universal God, just God generic. I want a father. I want my daddy, daddy. And this is what the spirit of the living God is doing. Yes, does he, does he bring gifts of healing? Sure. Prophecy? Sure. But it's all undergirded by the longing in our hearts for a father. And Jesus awakens, not only awakens that cry within us, but he provides the avenue for the Father's very spirit to come and meet us in that need. That's what God is about. He's called Father. Let me read you from um, a, little his, a little history of God where in Jeremiah 319. You want to, you, you, some people, well, what does God require of me? What, what does God really want from me? And uh, these 10 principles of godly manhood or the seven marks of a biblical champion. Uh, no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let, listen to what God says he wants. The God of the universe who created you in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully. This, this is what he wants. 
Jeremiah 3 and 8. The Lord says, Israel, I wanted to accept you as my son. And that would mean daughter too for, for the woman here too. But Well, what's so hard about that? I wanted to give you a delightful land. The most beautiful land in all the world. This is what God wants. I want to come and punish you because you messed up last... No, that's a slave. No, that's not, no, no. A daughter, a son is different. I wanted to... God wants to give us the best. I wanted you to call me father and never again turn away from me. Then he goes on talking about how you have turned away from me and my heart is broken. I don't know what to do about it. But here's what I wanted, basic stuff. I wanted you to call me father and never again turn away from me. That's a father's heart. That's what we're talking about here. Not a bunch of rules and regulations. I must do, I get punished. That's slavery. A son, a daughter can cry. A slave can't cry out, Master, help me. I'm, I'm not getting it done right. That's what happens when a slave cries out. When a daughter says, Daddy, I need you help, boom, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, that's my daughter crying out, out of the way, I'm there. My son's crying out for me, I'm there, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That's the heart of a father. And that's what we earthly dads are, I almost want to say, up against. <laughs> the bar is pretty high. In fact, it's higher than any human father can meet. And so many times you think, but my dad didn't give me all I need. Well, guess what, brother? Guess what, sister? Your earthly father wasn't designed to give you all you need. He, 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 hello? I'm inadequate. <laughs> I haven't got all that my son needs. If I did, he'd never need Jesus. The father of lies, oh, you should be ashamed. You should be giving him everything he needs. One of the most marvelous things my dad said to me, he passed away at 93 years old. And I visited him a number of times at, at his retirement center in North Carolina. And one of the most amazing things he said to me, and I wanted to be a good son even at 65 years old when I was visiting there. And I said to him once, I said, Dad, I want to give my son the best. My dad looked at me with those wonderful eyes of his and Depression-era boy, World War II, an aircraft carrier. And he looked at me as I said, I said, I want to give my son the best. And Dad said, no. You want him to have the best. Anybody catch that? That's wisdom. You don't get that at Walmart. <laughs> nothing problems with Walmart. I'm sorry, no, but it, no nothing. You can't buy that at a store. That's a father speaking to his son. You, you, don't pray, that, Dad, I want to give my son the best, unless you're talking about giving your son Jesus, which is, means you can't give him the best, and, and you show him where the best is. Okay. Now, being a father is not all just joy and peace and delight. It's an adventure, and it's scary. But it's very significant that God has called himself Father and wants us to recognize him as Father. 
In fact, we find out that the role of father that God plays is key to the end times. The end times, it's what God is about on this planet. Now, the politically correct folks will dish you at that, but I don't got time to argue with people anymore. I'm too old. And there are too many people dying around me for a father, quite frankly. Now, at the, at the, the last two verses of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, God underlines this, but he puts a little minor chord in here. Actually, a big minor chord. If you want to follow along, go to Matthew 1, 1, drop back a page. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. But before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, this is, we're talking end times. This is the last verse of the Old Covenant, the last of Jesus' Bible. This is the last thing that was said. So we're talking end times here. The focus of creation of the whole planet. Here's what's going to come. I will send you the prophet Elijah, and you read about this in Luke chapter 1, but the spirit of Elijah that comes to, to John the Baptist to say just this. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds marvelous. But listen, it's not. Otherwise, translation, if you don't let me do this work, and you're not puppets, remember, you're not slaves, you're sons and daughters, so you've got to cooperate in this. If you don't let me turn your heart to your father, and for you dads, if you don't let me turn your father heart to your son and your daughter, I would come and smite your land with a curse. Uh, a lot hinges on this, brothers. <laughs> We're talking big stuff here. The curse of fatherlessness. Now, this is not just some modern, you know, all the statistics are very clear. You can read them anywhere you want. Most, most uh, the, the kids, are, the fathers are not in the homes a lot of times, half the time in, in the modern day culture. And, but that's not a new thing. It's not a new issue for God. Why would he have to say, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons if, if the hearts were already there? And he doesn't say, I will, when, when, the, when the great day comes, Lord comes, when I send my son Jesus to inaugurate that, I'll turn, finally, we're going to get mothers and kids back together again. We're going to get mothers' hearts, because, you know, the mothers don't think about the kids that much, you know. So we've got to get them back that way. And you, no, he doesn't say that. Because, like, like we're suggesting, this is an organic bond between a mother. It's a, it's a physical. I mean, you're in the body, in her body. What she ate, you ate. What she felt, you felt. You're, you're one with the mother. That's the organic, natural condition in this planet. But for a father, it's a different ballgame. We don't have that connection. And so for a father, it has to be supernatural. It doesn't come from, from being in the body and sucking on her and getting the milk and the nurture and the love of that. We haven't got that. But that doesn't mean we're dissed and off on the sidelines. We're in the middle of the game. But we have to have a supernatural connection. And God himself acknowledges that. He says, the time is coming for the end times when I'm going to turn the hearts of the Father. I will do it. I will do this supernatural work. And brother, if you haven't got on your knees and say, God, do this work in me. Open my heart to my son, to my daughter. Oh, well, I guess you've got perfect relationships with all your kids, okay? It's just, you know, okay, yeah, everything's perfect. And they still cry out, Daddy, and you still come. All love and kisses. And well, praise God. <laughs> I'm happy for you. But that's not my story. I'll tell you one more story. 
And I got to tell you this story because in the, in, in the story, it's not just a creation in the Garden of Eden. But once they, once they, bite, that, they bite that tree, the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil, a lot of things happen that are not so good. When my son turned 13, did you catch that word teen there? And, and I hope we're a little trembling going on here. If you, if you have ever been the parent of a teenager, hang on your seats. I had not. It was all, let's go, Daddy, Daddy, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, okay. And his uh, church youth group was planned a, uh, a snow trip. Now, for you Southern Californians, uh, snow is like rain, but it's icy cold. It comes, <laughs> comes right out of the sky on your doorstep, believe it or not. I was raised, born and raised in Philadelphia, so I, you know, my, my son's from California, so anyhow. He'd never seen snow on his doorstep. He'd never seen snow. We, we, in, in California, you'd go to the snow. It's not that hard in Philadelphia. The snow comes to you. Okay. So he said, Dad, we're going on a snow trip. I said, whoa, have I got something for you, kid? Hang on, son. Wait till you see what I got. I went back in an old box, pulled out my old snow hat from Philly. Had a little moth-eaten, but it was still good to wear. I thought, ah. Oh. Remember those snowballs and the freezing hands? I come out, look at this. Like, what's that, Dad? This is a snow hat, son. You're going to need that. I don't need a, I don't need a hat. You, 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 you don't, what do you mean you don't need a hat? You, 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 the snow comes out. It's like ice out of the sky. It's going to freeze you. Now, look, son, this is a mark. I don't need it. What do I need a hat for? What? And to not to top it, what do you know about snow? What do, what do I know about snow? Listen, kid, you know Southern California. Well, I, mean, I think the Lord just checked me there a little bit. Hold on, son. What do I know about snow? Let me tell you something. I held my breath. In. Okay, listen. Why do you think I'm telling you to put that snow hat on? Because I hate you? Because I want you to suffer? I don't want you to hurt your ears. And I'm your father. I don't like to see my son hurt. And that's what I'm here for, to help you. I don't want that hat. And I had to say, right, there's the hat. I, 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 take it or leave it. And I raced for my prayer closet, shut the door. And on my knee, Father God, I don't know who that kid is out there. That's not mine. That's his evil twin. I want my real son back. That's not my son. That's, something got mixed up in the translation there. I want my son back. The one that cries out for daddy instead of throws him in the face. What's going on, Father? What's going on here? I don't trust myself. I don't trust what I'll say to that kid while he walk out from this room. <laughs> oh, maybe you guys already know. Oh, you've, of course, well, you probably read that book, uh, How to Be a Perfect Dad in Five Easy Lessons. You got that one, did you? I didn't get that, okay? And I'll give you a hint. It went out of print before my grandfather was born. It's never been in print. Don't, don't, my book, I got some great books back there, but I haven't got that one. And so I'm praying, Father God, change that boy. Bring him back to me. That's not the son I wanted. That's not the one I ordered. And sometimes when you stop talking, God will speak. Did you ever notice that? And I pause in my anger and frustration. And I heard a voice from my father. And lots of times, Father God is, he's direct sometimes, and sometimes he's gentle. This was exasperation. This was, here's what I heard. You're all teenagers to me. (laughs) 
we're all teenagers to you? You're so upset with your son, are you? Let me tell you something, dad. You, you asked me, and I had, for my father's heart. This is, what, this is what a father's heart requires, dad. It ain't all fun and games. There's real wounding that goes on here, and you better stick with me, son, because there's another father in the book called the father of lies, and he's chafing. This is his moment, and the teen years come. Oh, he starts pulling out his aces now. What did Mark Twain say? When I was 16, I thought, I wonder how to get the dumbest dad in the world. So when I became 21, I was amazed at how much my dad had learned in just five years. <laughs> but meanwhile, we groan. Oh, do we groan. Oh, do we groan. You're all teenagers to me. I give you everything you need. Snow hat, whatever you need. I don't like to see my children's ears freeze. I don't like to see my children fight each other and their, and their families. I don't like to see my children get sick. I don't want to see them lost out there in the desert when I'm right here with a banquet spread for them. How do you think I feel? I give you everything and you throw it back on my face. What do you know about what I need? I had to utter disgust from God. Are you on board for the ride, son, or what? You just want the goodies? Oh, you want the real goodies, the resurrection. Then you hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. But I'm telling you, son, it's going to take a while. It's not going to happen next week. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to say to you, my son's 24 now, and... I'm seeing things change. A little text. T-N-X, Dad. Praise the living God. Oh, for you older folks. That means thanks. I'm catching on. Okay, thank, thanks, Dad. <laughs> People are looking at me, young guys. What's that? What, don't, can't, remember, you heard it here first. Let me read you. There's a... Uh, a passage in Hosea 11. And this is when Israel has been thrown the snow hat back at Father God, said, we don't care about you. We're going to chase you. Those pagans are having so much fun. They're having orgies. They're, they're, they do whatever they want. And we, we, you know, what do you know about life, Father God? And God says, sends the prophet Hosea to speak to them. This is the Father's heart. He gives them the law. Now, the law says, this is the way the world's wired up. I choose, I entrust this to you, and you know how it's wired up. The others don't know. They don't care. So when you don't measure up, which you will not measure up, the law brings death. That's the job of the law is to bring death. So when we feel as we can't do it, then we go to Jesus and cry out, you need to do it in me, Jesus, or I'm dead meat. And he says, I'm glad you asked, son, daughter, let's go. Here's Father God. His kids have thrown the snow out back in his face. We don't need you. The Lord says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and called him out of Egypt as my son. 
But the more I called to him, the more he turned away from me. Oh, my. Anybody been a parent of a teenager? The more I called him, the more she turned, the more I called to her, the more she turned away. You're not going to wear that kind of skirt to school. At. My people sacrificed to Baal. They burned incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught you, Israel, to walk. I taught my son to walk. I remember the day. Marvelous day. The same kid who threw my snow hat in my face. I was the one, Israel, who taught you to walk. I took my people up in my arms. This is the Father's heart. You've cursed me to my face. You've chased me after gods and other idols. I have a heart for you. I took my people up in my arms, but they did not acknowledge me that I took care of them. Fathers, are you hearing me? Moms. I drew them to me with affection and love. I picked them up and held them to my cheek. I bent down to them and fed them. And that they refused to return to me. That's part of the journey. But the good news is, the journey has been pioneered by the pioneer of our salvation. Jesus, the Son of the Father, who has come to reveal the Father God to us, and who come not only to reveal God to us, but to put his spirit within us, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to keep my commandments. The Father doesn't just say, do this, and I'll come back to check up on you. He says, this is what will keep you safe. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. If you do, death will come into your life. But you live in a broken world, and that brokenness lives in you since the fall. And it's up to you to decide how long it's going to take for you to cry out, Abba, Daddy. What will it take for you? That's the ball in your court. Jesus has already played his court. He sent Jesus. He's shown us clearly, no matter how bad it gets, he's there with us under death itself. Not only that, he's come back. That would be enough to get nailed. <laughs> All right, guys, you show me your true colors. I'm out of here. No, he comes back after we throw it in his face. And he says, I'm going to entrust you, you unfaithful posers, with my very spirit. And the, not task, but the, the joy of going out in the world and sharing it with other people. You, <laughs> you sinners who turn away from me, you're the ones I'm choosing. And I'm banking on that someday the powers of the world will be strong enough and you'll say, I can get it, I can do it. And one day in the middle of the night, you're going to cry out, Daddy! Because when you do, my daughter, when you cry out for me, my son, in the middle of your night, I'm going to come running. And ain't nothing going to stand in my way. Nothing will stand in my way. Nothing will stand in my father heart way. Because you are not a slave. I have not given you my law to punish you. 
but to bless you. And I am here in my very spirit, which cost everything. Jesus had to die. The seed had to fall to the earth and break before it can grow. And my spirit is not only here, it's in you. I picked you up. I held you in my cheek. Now, that's good news. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, yeah, we're, 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 sometimes we're good kids. We cry out to you. Our hearts are for you. We worship you. And other times, well, you know better than we do. We're not such good kids. We don't like it when you try to lead us somewhere and we think, we imagine you're not, it's going to, we could do it better. <laughs> that's not Gordon laughing. That's the father laughing. <laughs> well, I thought it ought to feel, it reminds me of a woman who came to you out. She said, Gordon, I, I like what you're saying, but I keep running away from God. Can you give me some advice? And the Lord just came to her. I said, yeah, I can. You keep running away from God? Yeah, I said, here's what you do. Run as long as you can. There are some people here today who are tired of running. They have run as long as, they can, as you can. And you're strong. I see a lot of young folks here. You can run far. You can run fast. That's great. But there are some of you who are at a place in your life now, you realize, I, I've, I've, I've run as long as I can. I can't run anymore. So it's time to fall. You can fall into the father of lies arm. I'll take care of you. Oh, boy. Boy, look at those people online, man. They're having so much fun. I'll, tell, I'll, I'll cover you there. Or you can fall into your father God's arms like a teenager coming home saying, been there, done that enough, father. I don't deserve this. You know better than I do how I've turned away from you. I got nothing to bank on but your promise that somehow by your grace and nothing else, I can come to you. My little boy cried, Daddy, and I ran. It wasn't because he had done so much for me that he'd taken out the trash or gotten a good job or stand up and praise me in front of his classmate. No, he hadn't done anything for me except cry out, Daddy, and that was enough. Because it's not about what you do. It's about whose you are. And I would invite you in this, this time and this morning Listen to that word. Say, I want to cry out to you, Daddy. I want to trust your spirit to come and have your way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.